Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Löwenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand, Managing Director of Bright Vision, as well as host of this podcast. But today we have a very interesting subject to discuss how the top brands are using account-based marketing. And we're going to discuss that with a guest who's joining us from New York. Uh, his name is John Russell, former army officer also three-time global CMO at different companies. And today he's the founder and CMO of B2B Fusion, an agency in New York and have done over 100 account-based marketing related campaigns, which we're going to pick his brain on. So welcome to the podcast, John. It's a pleasure to have you here. Jacob, I'm really excited to be here and thanks for having me. That's awesome. We're going to discuss account-based marketing today, which you are an uh, expert and speaker on and so forth and have a lot of experience in. Uh, but before we dive into that, maybe you can just give us a background of your quite exciting and many areas uh, covering uh, career so far and how you ended up becoming a marketing expert in account-based marketing. Yeah, great question. And uh, gosh, we could spend the entire podcast just on this <laughs> one question, but I'll keep it brief. Um, you know, one of my frustrations, you mentioned as a, a CMO, I've been a high-tech CMO for 10 years in public and private companies in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, New York City, and Luxembourg. And one of my uh, struggles, Jacob, was I, I was making a lot of investments in technology, and I was having my sales operations person in Excel create my marketing impact dashboards. And literally the ink was wet from uh, the printer. I would be racing my impact over to the board of directors and it just didn't feel right. Like it, it, it just didn't feel right at all as a CMO making all these investments in this technology that had the promise to deliver marketing ROI. And uh, that really began my journey uh, about eight years ago. And we went on this journey to, to help other marketers, particularly high-tech and SaaS companies, where we've helped them bridge the gap of not only measuring, but being more effective in their marketing uh, outreach and growth overall. Uh, so it's been an exciting, um, you know, exciting, exciting time. And over time, I'd say over the last two years, we've really honed that down to an account-based approach because a lot of the technologies have shifted in that direction. Account-based has been around for 20-something years, but from a marketing side and a technology side, it's really only been around for a couple years. So um, we've built some relationships in the industry. We got a lot of experiences. You mentioned I've had over 100 engagements of uh, account-based marketing with clients. So we've kind of seen best practices in and around um, account-based marketing that probably no others have seen uh, at this point. So it's been a, a, a terrific experience. And at day's end, I should also say we're vendor neutral. So um, we cross multiple platforms, but primarily in high tech, we see a lot of um, similar Marketo, Pardot, HubSpot, 
deployments with other technologies, and that's where we really focus. So that's mm. kind of a long-winded answer to your question. No, interesting. That's a great, um, great uh, career and an interesting area we're focusing on there. And um, today we see account-based marketing in many different forms popping up, and I would say that a lot of interest in this area is more or less, you know, exploding since everybody is now have heard the message over a few years and 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 start to to invest in it if they haven't been on it. So uh, uh, it's it's kind of uh, at the tipping point, or maybe have been for for a few years. But but uh, yeah, a lot of companies talk about this. So from your perspective and with all the experience you have, what would you say define? B2B companies that really gets it when it's coming to ABM? What are their best practices and what do you think they do with ABM in order to get it to work so well for them? Yeah, I think um, you said some interesting things there and, and, and you know, getting right to the best practices, um, we see a number, but I want to address something that you said about the explosion of account-based marketing. You, you are uh, spot on in terms of uh, a lot of recent activity, particularly post-COVID, has been around account-based marketing. And I think what's happened here, and you know, Sweden probably being the exception, the rest of the globe <laughs> being more of the rule right now, because you guys are taking a little bit more aggressive approach than uh, perhaps we are in the U.S. But what I've noticed is people and companies are really coming out the second half of the year, and they're looking to grow more aggressively than they did this past year. And so they're making, uh, they're more likely to make investments in marketing and they're much more likely to already have a lead generation process in place. So they're already doing this, the standard marketing's generating leads. And you see this a lot in high tech, but they need to grow quicker and they need to grow faster. And so there's more of an interest now in this explosion that you talked about. Um, I have definitely felt it in the last three months from the client side. I felt like it was a very vendor-led initiative over the last two years, but in the last three months, the pendulum has swung to the other side where people are really starting to aggressively um, go after account-based marketing. Now to answer your question about best practices, um, it, it really depends on your maturity of, of, of where you're at, but let's assume your listener has a lead generation system already in place um, most of our clients that we do work with, we would suggest running a parallel system of lead generation and account-based marketing. Reason being is it takes a lot of effort to do account-based marketing right. And you kind of want to keep the engine on the plane while it flies and uh, experiment with another engine to kind of perfect it. There was a recent study that um, a company did uh, Terminus with call it 300 plus uh, account-based marketers, uh, Terminus is here in the U.S. Mm. And what they discovered, one of their um, recent survey observations was there's a maturity curve. So from a best practices perspective, most companies realize that they're going to have to go through some sort of maturity curve of step one, they're going to be kind of fumbling around with some of the basics. And over time, they'll improve as they get more mature, just like anything in life, you, you, you get better at. The key, though, on the best practice, though, is to really understand how you're stepping into that step one of account-based marketing, to do a, a thorough inventory of your data, your data structures, your business processes, to make sure that you're ready to get on the account-based journey. 
Um, the other aspect, and, and probably even more important than that, is uh, really making sure people have a consistent definition of what account-based marketing means. What I, I find, and this is probably a U.S. analogy, but it's, it's almost like a ship that's going through a, a, a bay and a lot of barnacles get attached to the ship. So if you think of account-based marketing as a ship and different people have different ideas of what account-based marketing is going to solve for. And without a clear definition, the risk as a marketer is um, account-based marketing could be solving uh, a lot of problems in the minds, hearts and minds of the organization. But in reality, it solves for maybe half or a quarter of the requirements. So getting everybody aligned and rallied around that definition um, also is helpful in, in addition to baselining. If you take those two steps, you're, you're much better off on that maturity journey um, than perhaps companies that don't take those steps. And sometimes what we find is they, they like to jump right to, and I see this a lot in the U.S., in particular, we're very action-oriented, so they, drop, they, they go right to the buying the technology and jump right into uh, uh, piloting, and then they realize, oh, wow, these results are just not what they should be. Mm. Well, they're not what they should be because they didn't do the foundational work beforehand. Um, so if you put the right foundation in, the probability of success goes up by an order of magnitude. Oh, that's great. And uh, so much in interesting things you said there. So if we start with laying the foundation now, what kind of technology do you see and recommend companies, especially in the B2B space, to, to invest in in order to get the ABM process? Do you need a system to start with or can you cope without one? Or, and what kind of you know, complexity do you need to, in order to get this process working? Yeah, it's, it's a very common question, and uh, I'm going to answer it in a counterintuitive way. I'm going to say, don't buy any technology um, uh, <laughs> right out of the answer. gate. Like, <laughs> like, just don't do anything yet. Um, what, what I would suggest is first do a real thorough inventory and make sure you've got some of the fundamentals uh, of investments down, and you're getting the most ROI out of those. So, for example, um, Nearly every company that we deal with, uh, with the exception of one of my clients, SAP, um, everybody uses Salesforce uh, in high tech. Almost everybody is using Salesforce.com as a CRM system. And the CRM system has to be set up in a certain way to, to really maximize the account-based approach. Then the, nat the next natural um, elements would be a marketing automation platform, the usual suspects that are out there particularly in high tech and SaaS companies, we see a whole lot of Marketo. Um, increasingly, we're seeing HubSpot and Pardot, uh, but usually it's, it's Marketo. In fact, one of my uh, team members ran Marketo's consulting group. So we've got strong expertise in that particular area. Uh, but why I say that is you want to make sure you're getting the, the most ROI out of those platforms, make sure that they're set up properly. The, the other platform that we typically see is some sort of sales outreach uh, platform. And one of the vendors name is Outreach, Outreach, Salesloft, uh, Mixmax. There, there, there are a few of those email only tools that, that are more or less sales tools. Mm -hmm. Those are the fundamental ingredients that you, you have to start with. And you can manually do account-based marketing from that approach. Or if you really want to scale like most companies do, it really depends on 
um, your appetite for budget. It depends on uh, who you're going after, uh, how you're going after it, and, and being thoughtful around kind of the outcome and the strategy first before you get the technology, especially in this environment, Jacob, too, which is another reason why I suggest not to get um, marketing technology. Mm. Uh, a lot of CFOs are breathing heavily on marketers right now, and they want to see the ROI. So the risk that, you know, when, when I was in operating role and perhaps you and your team were also in operating roles, the risk of buying the technology is you put a cross, you put a, a, a target on your back with the CFO because the next <laughs> question the CFO is going to say is, where's the ROI? And you don't want, you're introducing career risk at that point if your fundamentals are not in place. So what we would suggest is invest the time and get the fundamentals in shape such that when you do buy that marketing technology, your time to show ROI on it has shrunk dramatically. And, and, and that way you're, uh, you know, you're, you're just better off as a, as a career approach. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Gosh, my uh, rough throat here. <laughs> no worries. Um, but, uh, but by doing that, you're, you're, you're making, you're, you're doing a very stepwise and methodical approach as opposed to just jumping to the technology. Now, let me uh, end by saying a lot of our clients sometimes back in that process. And we've made a business on the other side of this where people have purchased the technology and then it's the uh, oh shoot factor uh, like, oh gosh, we got this technology, but it's not giving us the ROI. The CFO is asking us and we don't have a good answer. And uh, we find that scenario, unfortunately, probably eight out of 10 times right now where they've already purchased technology and then it, it's just not producing the, the growth that they had hoped. It's because they never put the fundamentals or addressed the fundamentals uh, to begin with. So that's why I advocate if you can, I would actually hold off on the marketing technology. You bring in, uh, you know, it's going to sound self-serving, whether it's us or any agency, bring a third party in that's had the cross industry expertise and also consult with your peers on what they're doing uh, before you make that purchase of technology. I almost think technology purchases should be at the end of your, your ABM process. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. Oh, so interesting to hear. Yeah, and, and I think maybe a lot of companies just start buying something because that's so easy to, to check <laughs> as an activity, you know. I, I, yes. I show progress. We have a system in place. Now we're doing ABM. But uh, I totally agree that, yeah, it would probably just be spinning the wheels, you know, and not getting the results as you, as you so clearly laid out there. And uh, I think that's a very insightful uh, takeaway right there. Uh, talking about other mistakes, we, we know a lot of companies are struggling to get the ABM process to work. So buying 
technology too quickly, not laying the foundation. Do you see any other big mistakes companies do when trying to get the ABM wheel spinning? You know, it's a really good question, and this has taken us years to figure out. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm potentially giving a lot of value here uh, in this one other observation. But I've noticed as marketers, we're very lead-centric in our thinking. And um, there are best practice firms that have reinforced models and measurement models where a lead-based approach is the approach. The challenge is the underlying process and interpretation from the sales viewpoint. And so while leads are probably something that we've been historically conditioned to be measured on, trained on, produced, when a salesperson gets a lead, it's like putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. They have to interpret the information of this lead. Is it the right person? Is it one person of 10 people? Who are the other 10 people in the account? What are the activities that the other 10 people are doing? Because now more than ever, Jacob, you've got to be super relevant in your communication. So by taking that lead, you can't just blindly respond back to that person. You've got to add value. But you also have to have context of what's going on at the account level with those nine other people. So I think another mistake is marketers underestimate the processes that sales needs to go through to interpret what a lead is or what a lead means to a salesperson. And, and not just blindly telling a salesperson, go follow up on my leads because they may be of varying quality. And that's why there's a lot of frustration between sales and marketing because sales is left to interpret, well, is this person valuable or not? Even if you agree on what the definition is of a qualified person, there's still interpretation on the sales side. Um, I'll go one step further on that and just say that the, with, without getting too technical, but uh, I'm sure a lot of our, your listeners here would appreciate this. The architecture of how Salesforce works on the lead side also makes it very problematic for salespeople to be effective in their jobs because it's something called a non-relational database. So the leads don't necessarily connect very well to the account activity. So you have to be like a forensic scientist as a salesperson to, to go back and look at the leads object and get the right information to make sure you know what's happening at the account level. Um, so the, I guess the long story short on this is uh, what other mistakes have we seen is the underestimating the, the process between leads and accounts and, and not thinking that through in a holistic system is, is another pain point that we've seen. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, as you said, important to get sales on board and, and to get them to realize that it's, it's not well-cooked leads coming in, <laughs> as you say there. But, but account research is an important part of the ABM process as well. So where do you think, how, how does a good cooperation between sales and marketing look like in a well-functioning ABM setup as as of your definition? Yeah, um, and I wish I could show your, your listeners a visual here. In fact, if anybody wants to follow up, I'd, I'd be happy to, to, to show a visual yeah. of this. But um, this too came out of that same discovery of, of leads and accounts and kind of unifying that sales and marketing approach. So if you think about the old model that I was just sharing, the lead-based approach, 
that sometimes has its own funnel and its own representation that marketers are very proud to say, here's how I get measured. Then you run across the, to your salesperson and the salesperson says, I'm measuring everything in Salesforce and this is my funnel. So you've already created two funnels and no single source of the truth because there's two different interpretations of information. So what we have found, and it's taken us a while to get here, is collapsing those funnels into one funnel. And it's not a trivial body of work because of the architecture of Salesforce, but we figured out a way to do this where you can bring two funnels into one and have one source of the truth such that both sales, marketing, and even your CFO are looking at that same exact funnel. They're getting the same exact information and they're able to interpret that information, um, whether it be at a lead level or an account level, as to how that cascades through the funnel. And what we have found by doing that, and really, you know, this is kind of my passion is the measurement of account-based marketing. Uh, by doing that, it automatically unifies sales and marketing because now you no longer have two sets of funnels. And you think about it from a CFO perspective, even the CFO sees these two funnels. I, they see the lead funnel that marketing produces. They see the, the Salesforce funnel and the sales pipeline. How does the CFO reconcile who's doing what or what's more effective? It's just too confusing. By unifying everything in one platform, it aligns everybody. Um, in, in that uh, one view, it simplifies the approach and it, it increases the odds of alignment. There are a lot of other alignment activities that we could go into, but I would say this has been probably of anything that we've experimented with over the last few years, this one thing has really helped to bring the two teams together. Ah, that's, that's a good um, insight as well. Um, getting on the same page is so important, driving the same metrics and the same goals uh, in order to get it to work. Um, and when, when it does work well, based on all the campaigns and all the setups and all the ABMs you have seen uh, over the years, uh, what, what does good look like for you? What, what is the outcome and how does it you know, generate results when it's working well? Have you any you know, uh, good example that exemplifies what could a vision be for a marketing manager who's in the early stages of this ABM journey? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I loved how you said um, in the early stages, because I, I do think there's two stages. You, you know, you, you see a lot of the headline stages of the best practices group saying X percent, let's call it, you know, I've seen statistics, 90 plus percent say ABMs extremely or very important or has more ROI than any other uh, marketing activity. And you could pull that from Altera Group, uh, Serious Decisions, ITSMA. The challenge, though, is exactly what you said, is what are the milestones that you can expect to see in success um, getting to that point? And the, the early milestones, if you put the right processes in place, I would say is the volume and activity around a marketing qualified account. So that's an early indicator because as a funnel that's shifted in the marketing realm, it hasn't really hit the sales realm yet. 
But if you're starting to see a lot more activity in how you define a marketing qualified act, uh, account, you're, that is a leading indicator to say you're on the right path for a successful account-based marketing program. The challenge with a lot of our, you know, your listeners and most of our B2B clients is you're in a six to 18 month sales cycle. So the MQA, the advantage of the MQAs, that's probably three to six months when you start seeing those kind of results because it's an early indicator of an eventual closed account. So that's what I would say is kind of, I would really focus in on that marketing qualified account definition, the business processes that lead up to it, the measurement, um, and I would set expectations internally around that as well um, with the thought that you'll eventually produce more revenue at a higher velocity than you would uh, without doing ABM. The last thing I'll, I'll close with is uh, a lagging indicator would be comparing the um, ABM accounts in terms of total contract value or annual contract value to those that are not ABM accounts. Uh, but that's more of a lagging indicator. You're not going to get that in a, you know, unless you've got a transactional situation, which ABM's not really geared for, it's going to take you a while before you're able to make that kind of comparison. Mm. Well, that's a great vision for, for a, a practitioning a marketeer and a CMO who, who wants to dive into this, uh, which is a big area with a lot of things to consider and to learn. So that's great insights there. Is there any important uh, one key takeaway to... Uh, to you know, uh, any uh, resources you can share or books to read if you want to know more about ABM or wh where should we send people? Have you any content library you can share from your yeah, side? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have created a number of interviews. I think I've done about 60 plus interviews with technologists and uh, people around intent data, which is an ingredient in account-based marketing. Um, on my YouTube site. So you could look there, B2B Fusion um, channel on YouTube. And certainly my blog has a bunch as well. Um, but there's also the ABM Institute. Um, there's also uh, Demand Gen Reports has a separate ABM in Action division, which is runs publications on ABM. Uh, those two can be good resources as well. So uh, there's, there's a ton of information out there uh, to kind of look toward, but those would be the ones that uh, I would definitely look to. And when I think about the ones, like the interviews that I've conducted, I just conducted an interview with um, Scott Brenker, who's the chief MarTech person. Um, but the majority, I would say, are very ABM oriented. So I've talked with the founder of Engageo. I've uh, talked with Bombora, Tech Target, um, Integrate, uh, those are just a, a few uh, demand base. Those are just a few that uh, that come to mind as part of those interviews, and they're they're about ten minutes long, where we've transcribed a lot of the key takeaways. So they're they're kind of a quick. You can either binge watch a bunch of them, or you can just skim through the notes that are on that YouTube channel. Uh, that may be helpful for your listeners as well. Ah, uh, great, John. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we could probably go on for hours here talking about ABM and listening to your key takeaways, but 
you're a busy guy running companies and having client engagement. So we're so thankful for your time and wish you all the best in the future with B2B Fusion and your uh, different clients you're working with. And uh, hope to hear from you in the future. Thank you so much for participating in our podcast today, John. Jacob, I appreciate the opportunity and let me know how, how it's, I can help here. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.